There's been a massive amount of consolidation and acceleration of technology in our industry. We're seeing companies like Katera spring up. We're seeing consolidation of building product manufacturers. We're seeing questions around what's going to happen to the dealer, specifically the lumber dealer in our industry. On today's show, we tackle all of these questions. We bring on a guest who has the ear of a lot of the biggest dealers in the industry, and he shares what's happening in the marketplace that you need to be aware of. And if you stay to the end, he's going to share with you his thoughts about will Katera last and what's going to happen to the dealer. Are they in it for the long run? or are they going to be disrupted? It's a great show. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody. Welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We've got Greg Brooks, who is the moderator of the Executive Council on Construction Supply on the show with us today to talk to us about what's happening in the building product space, what he's seeing from his vantage point. I am thrilled to have him on the show. Greg, welcome aboard. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So, uh, so fire away. Excellent. Greg, so for our listeners, just a little bit of background. It's pretty crazy. I have never met you before mm-hmm. until a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and you've got a pretty prominent voice in the industry. It's kind of funny that you and I both know a lot of the same people, but weren't introduced till recently. For our listeners, give us a little bit of background, what you do, your organization, and then we'll dive into getting your thoughts about what's happening in building products. All right. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yes, it's uh, it's amazing that we have not crossed paths as long as we have both been in the industry. My primary role, I am the moderator of a group called the Executive Council on Construction Supply. And we are, for lack of a better term, a think tank made up of independent building material dealers and distributors, plus a select group of manufacturers and uh, wholesale distributors from all over the United States and Canada. I think it's 44 states and eight provinces covered. We are like the flip side of a dealer roundtable that you're probably familiar with, whereas a roundtable shares financials, we don't share financials. A roundtable is primarily talking about how to improve operations. We do just the opposite. We study what's going on in the marketplace, and we look to see where the opportunities are coming in, and then we share strategies to capitalize on those opportunities. I guess the basic logic behind it is that, you know, we all know that building material dealers tend to be pretty conservative, and nobody wants to get too far ahead of the parade and we, you know, that's a perfectly legitimate way to be. But, you know, what it means is that most of them don't want to be the first on the block with any new product or service. They want to wait till it's established, you know, and that's fine. You can make a living that way and it's a safe way to do that. The problem is that every product and service has a life cycle. And so if you are always the last one on the bandwagon, you always miss the most profitable part of the cycle. And our idea is how do you get ahead of that? Because every market is different. You know, a brainstorm in Portland, Oregon could be a light drizzle in Portland, Maine. And so you've got to figure out how that idea applies to your market. And that's the heart of what we do. 
I provide research for everybody and we have an annual meeting where we get together and we, we talk for three days and have intensive discussions. And so that's essentially what we do is try and get everybody the market intelligence they need to make good strategic decisions. So is your customer or the individuals in your group, are they primarily dealers and are they like the owner of the dealership or are they the CEO or what does the, the typical audience look like of the individuals a part of the, the group? It is primarily a C-level meeting and that, that applies actually to the dealers and in most cases to our supplier members too. You know, they send top executives because it's it's not like a conference where you come and you're you got tabletops and you're sponsoring this and sponsoring that and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you're a supplier member, I'm going to introduce you at the beginning of the meeting and then absolutely nothing after that. I want everybody to forget that you are a supplier and they are a dealer so that everybody mm. just feels comfortable talking freely. And so it's all C-level people talking about what do I want to be five years from now and how am I going to get there? I mean, I would love to be a fly on the wall in those rooms. What's like the hottest topic that you are discussing in your different groups right now? The big one. And I can't say that there's any one topic because we're all over the board. You know, you've been in these conferences and conversations where we say, okay, guys, we're going to talk about this. And then they go off and they talk about whatever they want to. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody talks about whatever they want to talk about. But when we get into the strategic part of it, I, I would have to say that the biggest issue still today is this whole question of where do we build that house? is stick framing. You know, there, there are multiple studies that say stick framing on site is a terrible way to build a house. It's outmoded. It's 18th century handwork. And we ought to modernize this. And, you know, and, and really analysts have been saying that ever since Henry Ford introduced the first assembly line. So it's not anything new, but it keeps coming back and it, you know, it, it becomes a, a big deal. And, and we take stuff from it. And every time it comes back, it's something different. And this time around, of course, we have building information modeling, and we have CAD CAM programs, and we have all kinds of support for prefabrication that we didn't have before. So does that change the equation? And if I'm a dealer, does this mean that I buy myself a wall panel plant? Does it mean that I get into computerized pre-cutting, you know, similar to BMC's ready frame? Uh, does it mean that I do turnkey framing, where I partner with a, a framing subcontractor and we provide a single flat bid just like they do in commercial construction and multifamily? And these are major changes for, for dealers who have historically simply provided materials to the job site. And I think that's another major trend that is going to change the industry. Not that it will happen the way people are saying it's going to happen, but just like back in the late 1980s and 1990s, when warehouse retailers came in, dealers recommitted to the construction supply industry, to, the, that, to that portion of it, and all of a sudden dealers were in the manufacturing business. And nobody, you know, or very few buy pre-hung doors two-step anymore, that sort of thing. And so when we talk about, you know, because I know there, there has been this, this ongoing issue of, uh, the question is, do we have too many steps in the channel, you know, and mm -hmm. can you cut somebody out of the channel? 
And, you know, wholesalers are, are particularly concerned about this. But, you know, and the, the fact is that, that, you know, all those steps have to happen. And the question is just who's in the best position to provide this step versus that step. And so, you know, everybody's vertically integrating. But it, that includes dealers moving upstream as well as manufacturers moving downstream. So, and you said something there a minute ago, something that's, I think, really interesting to what's happened in the industry, which is a lot of dealers are getting into the, what I would term almost the service space. Yes. They're really becoming what I would say is a value add partner. Yeah. And this has, I think, been a, I mean, you said the 1990s that we started to see this happen. But I, what I think is interesting is uh, the smartest dealers out there are realizing that their traditional revenue stream, which is I'm selling products in my lumberyard, yeah. mm-hmm. is not where the margin right. is. It's in adding efficiency to the project. And so when you say, hey, you're talking about offsite construction or penalization or something like that, my immediate reaction is, why would a dealer care about that? Mm-hmm. But if they're trying to stay ahead and understanding what's happening in the industry with builders, they then have an opportunity to continue to pivot and build their business. Is that correct? Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that, that, that is correct. I mean, when it comes to prefabrication, for example, what we've got is a whole bunch of new startups the amount of private equity investment money that has gone into what's called contact construction technology has grown like tenfold in the past five years. And so you've got Katera and Integra and Blueprint yeah. Robotics and all these people that are in there trying to convince builders that you ought to have this whole thing built in a factory. Well, you know, okay, I can build in a factory too. You know, I can do it in a factory, but do you really want it done in a factory really when you get right down to it? Because this is not the first time it happened. You know, there was a big movement toward prefabrication back in the 1990s. There was a company called Wix Lumber that used to be the number one in the industry. They were as big then as Builder's First Source is today. They had a program called Frame a House in a Day. And they would prefabricate everything and just come in with a crane and just drop all those components together and they were done in a day. You know, prior to that, there was national homes in the, in the 1950s. Prior to that, you mentioned the, uh, the Sears kit home, which was yep. a ripoff of Aladdin homes had done it about 20 years earlier. And so this goes all the way back into, you know, wood stud framing was invented in 1830. And this goes almost all that way back. So it's been a long running discussion in there. But, but you're, you are absolutely right when you talk about dealers getting more into services. In fact, I kid our think tank members about this, is that, you know, you should not be brand Vaughn Lumber. You should be brand Vaughn Construction Services. And forget about the lumber. You know, that's, interesting. you know, who cares about the lumber? You know, most dealers I speak to are manufacturing some materials, yeah. mm-hmm. if not providing some sort of value-based service on top of the materials they sell in their lumber yard. And I think that that is, you know, indicative of the fact that there's not as much margin in the product as there, as there once was, and there's more competition. But what I would really want to know and get your take on, you talk about you know these startups and the technology in the space. What's your gut response to them? Like you look at the Contera, do you think that they're for the long run or you think that it's a flash in the pan? The, the concept itself has merit. Okay. The idea of building. Katera, first of all, bit off way, way, way more than they could shoot. They wanted to do everything in their factory. So you think, think they're so. they're done for them them specifically I, in residential construction? I think they're going to struggle now. Okay, you go into the you know the 
The commercial side, that could be a little bit different because when you talk about prefabrication, you really have to separate single family from multifamily like commercial because the argument with prefabrication is that, you know, I mean, there, there are some arguments that are, are just a little bit disingenuous. You know, you've, I've heard people out there claiming that stick framing wastes 30% of the material. The actual number is 5%. And so, you know, when they say, well, you can get 2 or 3% waste with prefab, yeah, you can't. But it really isn't that big a difference. But the one thing that is indisputable is that, Prefabrication reduces your job site framing time. You know, just wall panels like, like is done most to, in most places, that'll cut your job site framing time by 60%. If you go with a fully panelized system where you're doing floors and roofs and walls and everything like Entecra out in California, you'll cut it like 80%. So you yep. cut all this time out of the, the process. Keeping in mind, though, that framing, even when you stick frame, framing is never more than 15% of cycle time to begin with. So your total, your real savings are going to be eight or 10 or something like that. But it's, you know, that's still okay. Katera is also trying to do things like you can go online and buy a bathroom. I've seen them try to do things like that too, you know? And yeah. so I think your point about them trying to bite off more than they can chew is I can, I can understand that, but it's also, it's, it's not, the framing isn't the, the bulk or majority of the construction. Yeah, no. It's, that you is know, true. I mean, there's still a lot of other issues. Well, there, you know, and there is that vision that in a factory, you should be able to pre-assemble all the walls and sheath them and put in the wiring and the plumbing pipes and everything like that. Um, and in theory, it works just fine and probably does better now with CAD CAM and BIM than it, than it used to do. But there are still little minor differences. And all you got to do you know, if you're off by an eighth of an inch somewhere or a quarter of an inch somewhere, the entire assembly has to be tossed. And there's no such thing as a small mistake in panelization and modular. You know, every mistake is a big one. That's the problem. That's why you stick frame and why you keep the trade separate is because each one can react to the situation, of, you know, that if something is off a little bit, they can fix it. So if you fast forward 10, 20 years from now, what do you think is the biggest change that's going to happen in the industry, specifically home building and construction? What do you see that's going to happen that maybe people aren't aware of? Is it more offsite, more modular construction, or is there something else that you think is going to happen that we're not even thinking about? I think there will be more, more prefabrication, mm -hmm. but I think it'll be targeted prefabrication. If you panelize, for example, and if you look closely, I, I've visited Integra and I've, I've looked at their jobs and, and, you know, I love what they do. They do a wonderful job there, but they have two issues going on. First of all, in order to transport all those panels, they have to build them heavy. And so you will see walls that have, you know, for cripples and, and headers and things like that, they've got much more wood in them than if they were built on site. Well, environmentally, that's the wrong thing to do. Mm. Energy efficiency, that's the wrong thing to do. If you go and do it, they, you know, they use highly automated equipment that allows them to simply make all their tweaks to the plan and then flow all that data directly into the uh, equipment that, that builds the panels. That's all good. It's a very efficient way to do it. The problem is that that equipment won't handle the lumber grades that we have as they are. 
You know, if you're if you're familiar with what weighing is on a piece of wood, where you've essentially got the edge of the tree and so the corner comes off the two by four or something mm-hmm. like that, say that automated equipment just doesn't handle that stuff. And so they've had to upgrade and use machine stress rated lumber. Well, once again, it makes for a very, very nice looking package, but if everybody did it, it would be bad for the environment. It would be, it mean we'd be wasting much more wood than the minimal amount that gets wasted right now. So, so you think it's more on a like a micro level? Like there's going to be panelization in Atlanta. There'll be a, a way to do it in DC. Like it'll be on a smaller market basis. Is that what you're what you're saying? A market or a situational basis. Okay. If I have a multifamily project or I have a single family project that is affordable homes, yeah, maybe we panelize all that because we've got a lot of repeatable assemblies. If I have a custom home or even a semi-custom home with all kinds of various framing details that can't be set up very well for panelization, well, then I can pre-assemble the corners. I can pre-assemble the headers. I can pre-assemble all that stuff so it can just be popped into place. There is another alternative to BMC's ready frame out there that was actually conceived of by the people who built the software, who wrote the software for ready frame, and they focus specifically on cutting plate stock, which is, you know, you know the top and bottom plates on the wall, because nobody needs to pre-cut and label the studs. They're all the same length anyway. You know, and the the headers, you can deal with the headers. Where you get a lot of waste in the material is somebody who's cutting those odd length plates and uses the wrong length. You know, I need a... I need something that's 11 feet, 6 inches, and so I grab a 14 or a 16-foot piece to do it rather than a 12. That's that's where you get the waste. And so they're dealing specifically with that. They're selling this machine directly to framers. And there's a version of it now that can be moved from floor to floor as you go up on the multi-story structures. So, you know, micro prefabrication in targeted spots is, if I had to guess, you know, and anybody can guess, and you know me too but <laughs> <laughs> well don't worry this podcast is archived so we're going to come back in 10 years and hold you to it right that's all right i'm a steering committee member at the harvard joint center for housing studies and the economists there have a joke they say if you can't predict accurately do it often i like that i'm going to take that you know one thing i hear from a lot of manufacturers greg and i want to get your take on this is a lot of them question the long-term viability of the dealer. Mm-hmm. Frankly, is the dealer a dinosaur? And I'm really curious to get your take on this because you see these businesses probably closer than gosh, just about anybody else out there. Do you think long-term the dealer is going to become obsolete and these people are going to continue to have to pivot to have their business be you know, a real player in the market? Or do you think that we're not going to see necessarily the change that we think we're going to see, like we've seen with, if we even look outside of building products like Amazon or Carvana or, you know, organizations that have disrupted industries that have been so set in their ways? Mm -hmm. We have been through this actually multiple times. The last time around being in the late 1990s, where anybody who's old enough to remember that remembers BuildNet and channel links and, and all the disintermediators that were going to enable builders to buy directly from manufacturers. 
And I was one of the founding editors of a magazine called Pro Sales back in 1990. And I was with the magazine throughout the 1990s. And so I watched all the studies that they had done for Builder Magazine and remodeling and so on and so forth. And Builder used to survey builders every two years and ask them, you know, are you buying direct? What are you buying direct? And what would happen was every one of those two-year studies, they'd go the other direction. You know, this time around, yeah, we're going to buy everything direct. Next time around, no, we're going back to distribution. Next time around, you know, and, and literally throughout the 1990s, they went through this cycle of, of this way and that way and this way and that way. And that's because it all sounds great to buy directly from the manufacturer, but then where's my warehouse going to be? How am I going to get that stuff to the job site? It's the last mile. And more, you know, to your point earlier, what about the dealer in the middle who alters those products? You know, if I am assembling pre-hung doors or pre-hung windows or all those things. Now, how am I going to get all that done? And so there are examples of builders who do that. You know, particularly Washington, D.C. area is one good example with NVR and Van Meter, where they build their own components and so on. They're pretty much independent, but it fails more often than it works um, because somebody who specializes in all that staging and pre-assembly and all that sort of thing, that's a whole different skill set than building homes. It's a whole different skill set than mass producing products. So long-term, they're still at play, is what you're saying? Long-term, they are still at play. Now, we do go through periods of, of churn where the industry consolidates, and we get yes. a very few massive players for a while, and then those massive players kind of, you know, in the past, they have always just, you know, nobody can say it will happen in the future. But in the past, they have always ultimately collapsed under their own weight. And the reason for that is that every market is different. And this is probably the most important thing in the home building business is that the building codes are different in every market. The available building materials are different. The building practices are different. And you can't be in this business without understanding those local markets. And so for an independent, and since we're, since we were introduced by John Vaughn down at Brand Vaughn, we'll pick on John. For an independent like John, Mm -hmm. you know, he knows Atlanta cold. Yes. You know, and if he's competing against, uh, which he is, BFS, Builders First Source, you know, BMC stock is in heavily in Atlanta. It depends on who the market manager is. If the person that is there in that chair is really, really good, well, then he might as well be competing against another independent who knows the market. But those things change, and they churn. And so the good guy leaves, and somebody who is less familiar with the market comes in, all of a sudden, John's got an advantage. And so what we get over the big picture in the industry is is churn, where where moderately large companies get bought up by the big ones. And then the big ones, what that does is it just opens the door for people who are next level down small, and then they become the moderate ones. Nimble, yes. So That's great. If I can turn the conversation to talk about the manufacturers in the space, what advice would you give them, Greg? And maybe if I can push a little bit more, what do you see that a lot of manufacturers are doing that just doesn't make any sense? Like you look at the industry, 
and you're like, I don't know why manufacturers are doing this or why they're not doing this. Can you give us a last bit of advice that you would give to building product companies? I wouldn't say that there's a lot that they are doing that I think they shouldn't be doing because I think that most of what they're doing, they're doing out of necessity. They've gotten pushed to do it. You know, if I'm looking at it from a dealer's point of view, you know, I would certainly prefer that there wasn't all this convoluted rebate structure back there because it makes the whole thing very messy and complicated and difficult for me to deal with. But, you know, I also understand the manufacturer has got to react to the market too. I think the number one thing between manufacturers and their distributors and dealers, however the, the channel is structured, is to part, find, first of all, hold out till you find the right people to partner with and then truly partner with them. Um, and, you know, obviously that's a buzzword. It gets bandied around a lot. But what yeah. I'm talking about is if I'm a dealer, you know, I want some exclusivity. I don't want everybody in town to have this exact same product. But if I'm going to ask for exclusivity, then you need to be able to expect X amount of performance out of me. And so a partnership is one where we sit down and put on paper what we think we, we should be able to do, and then we work together to do it. And that's too often what you find is, is companies that are just sort of jumping around wherever they can possibly get volume, which some cases you don't have the opportunity to do otherwise. But, you know, when you do that, you get to a point where, you know, you, you kind of belong to everybody and then you belong to nobody. I like that. Yeah. Greg, this has been super valuable. Very interesting. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? My direct email is Greg, G-R-E-G, at L-B-M-E-X-E-C dot com. Please feel free to do that. If you'd like more information on the Executive Council, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. We're always looking for good people who are interested in discussing strategy. And so, you know, please, please get in touch. If you want a phone number too, my cell number is 303-845-4880. I'd be glad to talk anytime. Well, you've got great content too, Greg. I mean, just as a, as a shameless plug, the content <laughs> on your site, I mean, it's fascinating. Like I was prepping for today's interview and you talk a lot about this stuff in further length. And so if you want more of this, I also encourage you to go check out Greg's website. We'll make sure we link to that in the show notes. But Greg, man, thank you so much again for coming on the show. This has been super valuable. Well, thank you for having me. It's been good talking with you. Absolutely. And for our listeners, if you like this content, make sure you go to venvio.com slash podcast to subscribe. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.